Hello, everybody. Hello, I'm waiting for some people to come in. I am J1 Jones, the founder and editor-in-chief of the Millennial Discourse. And tonight, we will be talking about forgiveness. Put it down, let it go. Uncensored truth and stories about forgiveness and healing. Um, we have three wonderful guests. Three wonderful, wonderful guests. Uh, we have Destin McClain, we have Krista Ellswick, and we have Maurice Johnson. I'm excited to talk to them. I'm excited to dialogue with them about forgiveness. So, I first want to introduce our first guest. But before I do that, I want to talk about the Millennial Discourse. The Millennial Discourse, it's a movement in the form of a magazine. It's a movement in the form of a printed publication, be it monthly or quarterly, in which we unite millennials in order to impact and bring forth change. And I am so, so very excited about it. We have some great people working with us, a team of people working with us, and I am excited about it. Our topic today, as I said, is forgiveness. And forgiveness is one of the most if not, I believe, the most important things one can engage in. We all know what offense is. We all know what it's like to be offended. We all know what it's like to be hurt. We all know what it's like to be uh, ostracized. We all know what it's like to be, to be in situations where we feel the brunt or the short end of the stick. But we all also have to walk through forgiveness and know what it means to forgive. Not a lot of people do. And so, and if we do know how to forgive, it, it's extremely hard for us to get to that place. So that's the purpose of this, to help us, to engage us, and to talk more so about forgiveness. We have three individuals, as I said, telling their stories. I look at forgiveness as the act of letting go of the past, and the past that we wanted. Forgiveness is letting go of what you thought the past should have been like, could have been like, would have been like, would have been like, could have been like, should have been like, if this did not happen. So, I want to introduce our first guest. I'm excited to introduce to you all and to bring on live with me, Maurice Johnson. Maurice is 20, 24 years old. He was born and raised and lives currently in Renoke, Virginia. He has a heart for people. He has a heart for God. And he's a great conversationalist. So, I would like to, without any further, I got to see how this works here. I want to invite Maurice Johnson on, but I don't see him on my on my list here. I want to invite Maurice Johnson on so that we can discuss forgiveness and he can share his story and share his uh, perspective. Let me get him on here. One second. One second. So... One of the biggest things about forgiveness is that it's not necessarily for you. And I think we'll learn this tonight. It's not necessarily for them, I mean, but it's for you. It's for you to get to a place of freedom. And another thing I want to say is that forgiveness is not weakness. Forgiveness is really strength at its best. Forgiveness is really strength at its best. Forgiveness is taking back the power that someone or people 
have over you who have offended and hurt you. So I'm inviting Maurice on. Story. I'm excited. He's gonna he's gonna talk to us about his journey to forgiveness. Whenever this happens, whenever it kicks in, Facebook Live is slow sometimes. But whenever it kicks in, we're going to bring on Maurice Johnson. Maurice Johnson. Alrighty. Here we go. Hey, what's going on? Hey, man, how are you? I'm fantastic. Can you hear me good? Yes, I hear you really well. Right. Can you hear me? Awesome. Yeah, I can hear you good as well. I'm trying to get these things out of the way. Sorry about that. Hurt. All right. Um, You're so, good. You ready? All right. So I want to start. I want to talk about, uh, I want you to just tell the people a little bit of your story yeah. and what you've had to deal with and your journey to forgiveness. Um, and I would just interject with questions or and just, you know, kind of mediate it. Okay. Um, so start. All right, I'll do that. Well, first of all, everybody, uh, it's nice to meet you. My name is Maurice Johnson. I'm 24 years old from Roanoke, Virginia, and uh, I'm glad to be here. So um, the one thing I want to piggyback off of what you, what you were saying about how forgiveness is freeing to you, um, and it, it's not a sign of weakness. Uh, one of the things that I had to realize is that in my, I would say in the past, last year, sometime in November, I had to get to a place where I had to realize even if I didn't get the I'm sorry first, that I had to be the bigger person to go and say, I'm sorry for not coming to you sooner. I'm sorry that I allowed my frustration to get to take over me and to the point where I just wasn't even, when I, I wasn't even able to come to you. So for me, mm -hmm. uh, what that did was that actually opened the door to not only free myself and take the burden off of me, but it also freed the other person because I came to them first. And so, um, yeah, that's just, that's just one of the things that I had to do. Now, for me, forgiveness was never really a struggle, so to speak. Now, it was, a, there, it was a process, but I always worked hard to forgive quickly. I always worked hard okay. to forgive quickly, yeah. So you mentioned to uh, Gregory, who's our content director, you yeah. mentioned to him that you wanted to, you mentioned to him that you had, that you had to forgive your dad. Yes. Um, a former pastor and your mother. Yeah. You, well, you said those biggest, those the biggest uh, areas of forgiveness yeah. for you. So I don't necessarily want to go down it like a list, but we might end up doing that, but I want to, I want you to describe or, or, or rather give them the, the, give the account of what you had to do or the situation between you and your dad, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, my biological father, um, the, let me start off by saying this. I have the best dad in the world. I just want to make that very clear. Regardless of whatever happened between us, he's the best father in the world. That's how I look at him. Be real with you. And um, for a while, I kind of felt abandoned, if that makes sense. Um, he was there for the, for the early part of my life, my father. But as time went on, he left. And there were certain things that I had to figure out as far as like manhood and growing up that I had to do on my own. And um, mm -hmm. rather than play the, the blame game or, oh, I wish dad was here, something like that, I decided to um, say, you know what, Paz did the best he could. And I chose mm -hmm. to make sure that I didn't allow that to fester my heart. And I forgave him really, really early for not being there. And I never held that against him. You know, I was like, you know, what, what can you do? He's not here. So I didn't want to, I would never want to make him feel guilty for not being here. And I never wanted to keep, hold myself back in life because he wasn't there when I needed him to be there. And so I made it really, really quick to, I made a quick decision at a young age to say, you know what, it's all good, Pops, I still love you. And I just got to figure this thing out on my own or as I get people in my life to help me. Okay, was, was there a moment, a specific moment 
in time where you said, you know what, I have to forgive him? Or was it just something innate, something natural to you where this is, hey, this is my dad and I have to forgive him? It, it was very innate. Um, my dad, he was, he was always honest with us. Like, it's hard to be mad at somebody who keeps it real with you at all times. Like, I just, I, I respect someone who's honest. So when Pops was, uh, when he kept it real with me and he was always honest with me about, you know, certain things, son, I'm sorry that I did this, or, you know, I didn't treat your mom right doing this because there were a lot of things that we've seen. And I'll, even to the point where I've seen my, my, my dad, like at one point, beat, was beating on my mother. Now, he's not like that mm -hmm. to the day at all, but there was a time in his life where alcohol took over him. And mm -hmm. it, like, I, like I, there was a time where like he literally almost killed my mother right in front of us. And so imagine seeing that and real. I mean, it was oh. that was hard. It was hard to watch because her face was bloody. I was mm -hmm. actually in the. I was actually five. I was in kin. I was in kindergarten, I think. And I remember the the image so vividly. But to hear my father, I forgave him before he said sorry. I forgave him quickly when I when I when I knew what forgiveness was. I decided to make a quick decision to forgive him, right before, even before he ever said sorry to us. Before he even said sorry to my mother. And it became, it was just natural because he was honest about it. He always kept it real. You know, son, I, I don't always do things right. But I don't do what I do. This is wrong. But when he had that drink, that's when he became someone who was completely different. And so I had to take the time to realize that that's not my father. That's the alcohol that's really just making him, that, that alcoholic addiction is what making him do the things that he do. And I can't hold that against him because it's, it's really an issue. It's like a psychological thing. So. Oh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, yeah, wrap my head around this, yeah, because it's, it's just a lot. So, I have friends who have been in the same situation where their father is alcoholic, drug addict, drug addict, and therefore because of the use of such yeah. things, he's abusive. But they find it's not innate; it's not as innate yeah. for them to forgive as for you. So what would you say to those people who are in the same exact situation yeah. that you are or have been in the same exact situation that you are in and they're, they're holding on to the bitterness and holding on to the rage? Absolutely. Like, I personally cannot fathom, fathom just saying, I accept, I forgive you without there first being an apology. Uh, yeah. And so are you... First of all, first question, are you saying there was never a moment where you wanted to hold on to the rage? Because we often hold on to the rage because uh, we take pride and we get attached to the rage and the yeah. anger of unforgiveness. So we hold on to it. So was that wasn't a battle for you, you're saying? At no. All. For me, believe it or not, it's and it's going to shock you. It was easier and because it, it's getting deep. So it was easier for me to forgive my father than it was for me to forgive my mother, which mm -hmm. is odd to some people because of what I watched my mother go through. But because I held on, because I had my expectations of my mother were so high um, when she slipped mm -hmm. up or when she did something wrong or when she allowed certain things to happen, it was harder for me to forgive that than it was for me to forgive my dad. Now, the advice that I would give to someone who's holding on to that rage, who's holding on to that frustration, or holding on to the images and allowing them to torment their mind, I would tell them that um, first you have to realize that addiction, when someone is addicted to something, whether it be drugs, whether it be sex, 
whether it be anything, a lot of times they're not themselves. They're not, mm -hmm. they, they, and they don't really realize what they're doing. They're the thing, there are things that my mother did, my own mother who went through that because that situation was um, psychologically traumatic to her. There were certain things that she did after all of those things that to this day she's like, me? I did that? Like, because when you're in that state of mind, you don't recognize it and you don't know. And I learned that very early on only because I had wonderful teachers in my life who, who taught that stuff and that stuff we learned in school. And I, and I chose to really accept the fact that they don't really realize this, what they're doing. And so I can't really hold on to, I can't make it my burden of the fact that they don't realize who they are, even when they look in the mirror, because they don't know what they're doing in the moment. So me being angry at something that they are not really able to control is not, it's only going to make things worse for me trying to live my best life. So the advice I would give them is to just do the research on addiction, do the research on uh, when people do things like that, especially if it's alcohol, drugs, or even prostitution. Some women out so there are men and women out there who have done prostitution. I've seen it. I've seen it growing up. Um, that mm -hmm. they just they don't really realize what they're doing in that moment. They feel like that's what they have to do. And so it's it's hard, but you have to look past it and okay. just keep pushing through. So you're saying that both the victim and I agree. You're saying both the victim and the victimizer. Yes. Still human. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And we must realize that to bring us into forgiveness. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Because if you, one thing that we, I mean, especially if you're a child, you really expect perfection out of your parents almost. And mm -hmm. I'll say this. I was, I was very fortunate to really be, have good teachers in my corner. Uh, one is, uh, her name is Denise Kelly. I had a really good teacher in my corner who, Taught, taught me a lot of things really, really early on from a biblical standpoint. And for, I was just able to grasp onto it that you can't, to hold someone to a level of perfection that they can't ever meet is really like letting myself down. No one can be perfect. And mm -hmm. if you are holding someone to a level of perfection that they will never be able to meet, you're setting yourself up. And that's just the absolute truth. So even when they fail or even when someone does something wrong, it makes it so much easier for me to forgive knowing that nobody's perfect. And they're human just like me. I've seen pastors slip and do things that would normally take someone out. And I'm just like, you know what? Shock moment for a quick second. And after that, it's like, it's all good. I forgive you for, for this, but I, I can't let it stop me. And I realize that you too have to go to the same guy to get forgiveness just like I did. Okay. This is amazing. I am completely shocked. Yeah. This is, you know, they say be the bigger person. This is beyond that yeah like your level of innate almost as it seems natural mm -hmm. uh forgiveness is is not human <laughs> if you ask me. if it's human it's very hard for us to get there so i want to thank you yeah uh, for coming on yeah i appreciate it and i hope we can have you on again yeah absolutely i really it was my pleasure um any anything else that you would like to to say or Anything else about your story that you'd like to share? Um, if, if I had to say one last thing, it would be forgive as quick, as fast as you can. And sometimes you really do have to be the bigger person to say, I'm sorry. If, okay, if you know mm -hmm. that you have, if someone and you are having some type of tension or whatever, one of you has to be the bigger person to say, I'm sorry for not coming to you sooner. 
and then it will actually free you'll be shocked at how freeing it is and how much respect the other person will have for you if you simply say i'm sorry for not coming to you sooner it's not easy at first but you're not weak it actually makes you stronger and it makes the process of forgiveness so much more smooth so that would be my my last final words counselors Okay. All right. Thank you, Maurice. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, my pleasure. All right. All right. I'll talk to you. Man. All right. Cool, man. All right, take it easy, y'all. All right. All right. So I'm floored. I'm completely floored. I'm a little. I'm beyond. I'm a little shocked. Um, I was expecting that to be a resistance to forgiveness with him, but it wasn't. And I think what we learned from that is, as we stated, just as we just stated that. The victim and the victimizer are both human. And when the victim recognizes the, the humanity of the victimizer, it brings them to a place to forgive more easily. Um, my next, per the next guest, the next person I'll be talking with is Destin McClain. Destin McClain is a native of Joliet, Illinois. He is 29 years old, Joliet native. Um, and I want to read to you what he wrote because his, bi his bio is, is very eloquent and I want to say it as he wrote it because it's very, very eloquent. He says, I am, I am passionate about being a positive role model, not only for my siblings, but for other youth in the community as well. McLean was inspired to become an author and entrepreneur in 2014, after numerous poor life decisions, internal struggles, and challenges with family, which caused him to hit rock bottom and even question his faith. After realizing that he could only go up, he can only get up and get, he can only go up from this pit, he decided to turn his test into his ministry. And so he founded an organization called Destined to Be. Destined, Destined to Be is an organization, I mean, I hope he's on and ready to come. Destined to Be is an organization that, that has its goal and purpose to cultivate, and it's faith-based, obviously, to cultivate youth empowerment through facets of health, wellness, career development, and financial management, and literacy. So Destin's going to come on and talk to us about his journey to forgiveness. Now, I specifically asked him, to I want the full thing I want the full story um, and one of the things I specifically told him is that and that and that's on, even on the flyer is that this is uncensored so I feel like it's going to be good let's bring on Destin McClain Joliet native I'm from Chicago let's bring on Destin McClain Chi-town well he's not really Chi-town but y'all get my point Y'all get my point. People don't say that no more, I don't think, but I say it still, okay? Shytown. What is it? Shy, what is it? Shyrak? I don't believe in Shyrak. That's not, the movie was horrible. I don't want to talk about it. So let's bring on, <laughs> let's bring on Destin McClain. I'm adding him now. I am excited. I, I hope this thing, Facebook Live is crazy sometimes, but let's bring him on. Again, I'm excited. Destin McClain. That's the plan. His story, I think, is very, very extremely interesting. I think it's powerful. I've heard it, well, portions of it. We see how much I can get out of him tonight. But I've heard it, and I think it will help. I think it will help. Um, it will help us. 
get to get to a place of forgiveness. And it will teach us things about forgiveness. I want first-hand experience. Because it's easy. I can get up here and easily give a, you know, a, a sermon on forgiveness. But that's not what I want to do. I want to talk. <laughs> I want to talk about forgiveness and get people's perspectives. It's not letting me invite him. I'm sent, I sent it. I'm sending it. See, we're going we're gonna to figure this out. The next one ain't going to be like this. I'm sending it. Um... Alright, so as we wait for Destin to come on, are there any questions from those who are watching? Any comments? Anything that you would like to add? Uh, Rhoda Love says, thanks Maurice for sharing. God bless you. Uh, Terrence Love says, it's so hard, but you got to. You got to forgive. Um, is there anyone else that has questions, comments, concerns? Um, as you're going to tell your story, are you, I think he may, are, am I going to tell my story? We shall see where this conversation leads us, uh, Mr. Jameson. We shall see where this conversation leads us. Trying to ask, see, Facebook Live is a trip. When I tell you, I'm trying to be professional and do everything in a professional manner, but it's a trip here. All right, he should be coming on in a second. Um, if I can get him, if I can get him, I like stories, huh? Mr. Carter says, I like stories, huh? <laughs> um, wait a sec. Can you reintroduce yourself, Jay? Like, who are you? Where are you from? I am J1 Jones, J1 Shakur Jones. I am from Chicago, Illinois. I am currently in D.C. attending uh, the illustrious, I think that's a good word, the illustrious Howard University. Um, so, as we're trying to get this situated, it's always someone Facebook Live. I'm going to write a letter to Mark Zuckerberg. I'm going to write a very stern letter to Mark Zuckerberg telling him about how Facebook Live don't work. Uh... I'm writing a letter to Mark Zuckerberg, like soon, like very soon, like once we get off here. Uh, but in all seriousness, it's crucial that we forget. I cannot get him on. He won't let me. All right. Uh, All right, so let's do that. Terrence, let's say, tell him. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna tell him. So it's adding Destin. There we go. Finally, thank God. Flip your screen. Flip your phone. There you go. Dude, like I can't even see. Like, what the heck is going on here, yo? What? All right. 
Uh, can you see me? I can see you, but I can't see myself, y'all. Well, <laughs> well, look at me. I look nice. So, it... <laughs> bro, bro. So, start with your. Uh, I want you to start with your story. I want you to tell me the offense, if you will, and then the process or transition into forgiveness. Man. Um, let's see. Where do I start? So, um, as he said, I'm 29, Joliet native. Um, I realized that I was holding on to unforgiveness in my heart and the root of it was um, at a young age my dad kind of walked out on me um, and when he walked out on me I felt like my world was snatched to my feet um, with that I began to face identity issues you know, I began to victimize myself. I began to hate everybody around me, everything around me, because of the absence of my father. Um, at around 11 years old, my cousins, you know, I was molested by family. Um, that's kind of how that story goes. Um, and at that point, I began to blame everybody around me. You know, it was my mom's fault. It was my dad's fault. It was my fault. Um, with it being my fault, well, with it being their fault, I began to rebel against those people that really loved me and that I had to realize that it was nobody's fault. Like, at that point, I realized that I was right where God needed me to be. Um, and it's not that God allowed me to go through that because he wanted to punish me. He allowed He knew that in that I would be a vessel to help someone else out. I didn't know mm -hmm. that at that point, obviously. Um, so just kind of went through life aimlessly. Didn't really feel like I had a purpose. Um, didn't really feel like I had a reason or a rhythm or a rhyme to live. You know, so with that, um, you know, I dabbled off in things, you know, drugs, um, homosexuality, um, all of those different types of things. And that's because I had harbored unforgiveness and I felt like I just wasn't worthy. Um, and so um, got into a really bad relationship, a really toxic relationship. Was in that relationship for about four years. And when I say toxic, um, it was the birthplace of um, more rejection, abandonment, and things of that nature. Um, and then I finally made it to a point where I just realized that that was something that I didn't want to do anymore. Um, but I did realize that I couldn't do it by myself. So I submitted that area of my life, and not even just the homosexuality or anything of that nature. I just submitted the dark place of my life to God. Um, I told God, you know, hey, whatever you do, just don't do it without me. And so at the tail end of my relationship, I ended up getting a 
a DUI. And that night that I got drunk, I told God, you know, don't do it without me, but I'm tired. And I was like, whatever happens, happens. And so I went out on that, that night. I got really, 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 really drunk, like drunk to the point where I don't even remember what happened. All I remember is like getting pulled over, seeing these blue lights behind me. And it was raining. So God did it and he didn't do it without me because in the midst of that, I knew that I could have, you know, I could have could have got killed in that situation. Um, so then from there, mm -hmm. I up that a couple months later, I ended up getting into a really bad fight with my brother. I ended up going to jail because I was just so angry and so bitter and just so broken. But the saying is true, like, hurt people hurt people, and misery loves company. So um, I began to just welcome, you know, unwanted company, even though I had already submitted that part of rejection to, to God. Um, so, like, in that moment, I realized that this is how I want to live my life anymore. So full circle, speed the story up. My dad ended up calling me on Christmas because he had went through a, a really bad situation in his life. And he called me and he was like, you know, I don't want to have this separation from you anymore, if you will. So when he came around, like, God had answered my prayers and he was just like, this is what you're missing in your life. And I'm going to bring it around for a circle. So when he brought my dad back around, like, I just at that point submitted everything because I was yearning for that. And then as in my bio, that was my rock bottom. And I realized that from that moment on, like I can't do anything but go up, you know? And, mm -hmm. and, and as, as, as the, as they say in church, they teach in church who the son set free is free indeed. Um, so, so I became, I became free, but I was still incaptivated because that was all I knew, you know? Mm -hmm. So, it's nothing worse than having the keys to be able to get out, but still be locked in. And so I was, what still you... I was still a prisoner of my own circumstances, even though God had already released me from that. What do you mean? Let me, let me interject real, real quickly. Okay. What do you mean? I know what you mean, but when you say that's all you knew, what is the what that, that was all you knew? All I knew was rejection. All I knew was like, what do you mean? All I knew, all I knew. What is what you mean? Wait, what was that? What'd you say? Continue. Continue. Okay, so like all I just knew was 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 to be enslaved in bondage. And it wasn't even that a person or anything had put like the situation had put me in bondage, but I stayed a captive, you know? So all I knew was to be abandoned. All I knew was to be hurt. All I knew was to be bitter. So even when those great men and women came around and attempted to love on me, I rejected them because that was just all that I knew. You know what I'm saying? And so I stayed a prisoner for a while. And then as my dad apologized and it, it opened up so much space in my heart because I was able to go back and forgive all of those other people while mm -hmm. that, that I hurt while he wasn't there because it just came back around full circle. And here I am today, you know. So to that person that was watching that will rewatch it or listen later or listening now, 
how would you define forgiveness? Being that you have traversed and went through all that you've gone through, how would you define forgiveness? Um, I would define it as strength, strong, you know, because so many people, and you made a post about it earlier, like so many people mistake forgiveness as being weak, but it's really in that moment you're, you're saying that I'm strong. You know, I'm strong enough to look past what you put me through. I'm strong enough to, to, to say that I'm sorry, even though I, I, I did nothing wrong. Like, I'm, like, wherever the disconnect was, I'm sorry. And that takes a lot of strength, you know, because you got to swallow your pride and that you have to, you know, come back around and you have to fix something that nine times out of ten you usually didn't mess up. So I would define forgiveness as, as strength. Because it takes a really strong and unprideful person to say that I'm sorry. And so, defining forgiveness as strength, how would you, what would you define unforgiveness as? Weakness? Would you define unforgiveness as a weakness? I wouldn't, I would define it as a pride, as, as, as a, a, you're struggling and you're battling with pride. Um, I wouldn't completely say it's a weakness because you know, people at one point it wasn't that I was weak and I I just I was dealing with pride. Ample opportunities for me to go and apologize to people, but I just I just I wasn't doing it. I, I wasn't doing it. Like nope, I, I wasn't doing it because I I felt as if I was right. You know, everybody wants mm. to be right in this life. And it's like, okay, well, sometimes sometimes you got to take that high road and be like, you know what? I'm sorry. Whether I did it or I didn't do it, I'm sorry. Okay. So, I, I'm, I'm trying to see how I, how I can ask this. Um, knowing now what you, knowing what you know now, if you had, if you could go back and talk to yourself while you were going through it, what would you say to Destin two, three, five, six years ago? That everything is gonna be okay. You're gonna be okay. Like, okay. You're going to be okay. Like, don't because I feel like I'm. I feel like I've always been strong because that was like the only choice that I had or the only the only thing that life offered me was to be strong. Um, you're going to be okay and hold your head up, which I did in a lot of situations and, and, and through most of my life because, you know, my, my mom and my stepdad divorced when I was younger. So I ended up stepping up and helping out with raise my siblings and things like that. And so you're going to be okay and, and do it with dignity and just remain true to who you are while you're doing it because the reward is way greater than the sacrifice, you know? And I would like to say that God has been amazing to me. Like I've not lacked in no area. Like, yeah, it gets lonely. Yeah. It gets boring. Yeah. It gets, you know, you're going to always be faced with some form of adversity, but even in it, remain true to yourself and stick, hold tight to the morals that you have because it's not about you. Like, so just keep doing it. 
because I never stopped. Even though I came across these obstacles, I never stopped. So it's just like stay positioned and stay postured because greatness mm -hmm. is on the horizon. Okay. So for the final question, final thought, tell us more about Destined to Be. Um, go, you can go more in detail than I. You can go more, you can go more in detail than I ever could. So could you tell us more about Destined to Be? Um, so Destined to Be is... I'm in the process of right now converting it over to a full non-for-profit. Right now it's just the for-profit. Um, so I've raised money and I've done done things of that sort. And it's not for-profit for myself, but it's to do the projects that I need to do in the community. Um, last year, we, with the help of the community, I donated like 175 book bags to inner city kids. Um, I wrote a children's book last year that was that that you could find on amazon um or any other facet these are barnes and nobles any facet that you use to purchase your books uh and it's a abc book and it goes through different careers so it starts with an um architect and it works its way all the way through a zookeeper and it the concept behind it was to teach young kids like you don't everybody's not gonna go to school to be a doctor everybody's not gonna go to school to be a lawyer but as long as you're following um your purpose um and fulfilling your destiny like you could be whatever you want to be like as long as you're true to yourself like always be who you are um so in the up and coming months or even years um i plan on taking this thing worldwide but i'm a firm believer and you have to start at home and obviously it's destined to be because my name's destined but you're destined to be somebody you're going somewhere like you have a purpose there's 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 a purpose out there for you and as long as you dig deep enough that you'll fulfill it like you'll you'll be great um probably gonna do another book bag drive this year that's the goal anyway um and then i'm actually working on the project that jay Wan keeps telling me that i need to hurry up and get done because what we what we fail to realize um is that we're not alone like yes like your story not my story but we got a story you know everybody has a story everybody has a struggle everybody has been through something so don't be so selfish to um hold on to your story in fear of being judged because people are going to talk regardless but the more you talk about it the the more that you'll bring freedom to yourself and those around you because you're not going through it. Do it for yourself, you know? So that's the whole purpose of Destined to Be. Like, let's let's together pull purpose out of each other. Um, and that that's it. And my, you know, final thoughts, I would have to say, you know, forgiveness, holding on to unforgiveness is almost as, I would, correlated to judging um because you're judging somebody because they're i mean like the last gentleman said sometimes people don't know that they hurt you or sometimes people don't know so i'm at least give me the chance to fix it um mm -hmm. before you go and try to hold it over my head because sometimes that's all they know and i I always tell people, like, my dad wasn't a bad dad. My dad was the best dad he knew how to be at that moment. You know what I'm saying? So his walking out was all he had to offer me. And so 
I'm now I'm grateful for that. But it took for me to realize that nobody's perfect, you know. And my mom tells me all the time, like, being a parent didn't come with a manual. So I'm going to fall. I'm going to make mistakes. And I'm going to do things that you don't like. But at the end of the day, I did my best. And that's it. So just keep strong. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Destin McClain of Destin to Be. Um, thank you for coming on. Thank you for talking with me. And hope to have you again, man. Thank yes, you so sir. much. Be on the lookout, guys. All right, man. All right, man. I'll get you. All right. So we have one more person, one more young, one more young lady, uh, Krista Ellswick, um, that I that I'm going to talk to, and talk with rather. Um, she's she's uh, the only young lady on for today for this uh, this broadcast. But um, before I invite her on, I want to, one thing Destin said was that in, in the essence of one thing that he said was, we are, you are, I'm not alone. No one is alone. And he says, everyone has a story. It may not be the same, but everyone has a story. So I thought that was very profound to take away. A common theme that I'm noticing, and I'm not sure if you guys are noticing it, is that we are really saying that forgiveness transcends a moment. Forgiveness transcends a moment, meaning, yes, I look at how you were in that moment. I understand it, or I attempt to understand it, but I don't stay prisoner by how you treated me, how you acted towards me in that moment. So I thought that was very profound. Krista Ellswick. Krista Ellswick is 25. She was born and raised in Ohio, but she currently resides in Michigan. She's been in church, she said, her entire life. And she says, I am who I am today because of God. She sings and ministers to God's people through song as well. She's an inspired music artist. And she has three siblings. So let me get her on here. This, let me, when I tell you Facebook, okay. Let me get her on here. I'm adding her now. I'm excited to talk to her. Um, and we're going we're gonna to talk to her and then have some quick announcements and then we're done for tonight for our very first video correspondence segment and broadcast. So let's get her on. It's adding her. It's adding her. This is what I need to do faster. I tell you, I tell you the truth. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. One thing I want to talk, I want to mention about forgiveness, or rather unforgiveness, is this. Unforgiveness is like a cancer. It will, as a cancer destroys the physical body, so does unforgiveness destroy your emotions and, de and destroys uh, uh, your spirit. And... And there's a lot of people walking around with, with unforgiveness, and it's festering. And I say it like this, you will never be fruitful, you will never be fruitful until you forgive. Your fruitfulness is dependent upon your forgiveness. So now we have Krista. Hello, Krista. How are you? 
Hi, good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm very excited to talk to you. You told you told our you told Greg, our content director, that you want to lean more into talking about how you came to the place to forgive yourself. And I thought that was an interesting and unique perspective. And so you could just start wherever you would like, and I'll just jump in with any questions I have or any questions I may see on the screen. Okay. Um, so I am 20, I'm 25 now, going to say 24, um, born and raised in Ohio, now live in Michigan with my mom. Um, all of my friends and family are still in Ohio, so it's, you know, difficult living away from them, but it's also a blessing in it. <laughs> There's also a blessing in it because of just how much that has gone on well, with mm -hmm. my whole life in Ohio. And I'll start off by saying, um, and unfortunately, this has happened to a lot of people um, in their families, but I was also molested um, from the age five to about, I want to say, 10, or t 10, 11, or 12, one of those. Um, and it was by someone in my family. Now, uh, in my family... I'm kind of shaking, so I'm trying to get my thoughts together because I don't share this often, and I have a feeling that it's going to eventually get out to them, So, and I haven't told a lot of them. So, um, I, I totally forgot what I was saying. Oh, I was in my family. We had this rule, what happens in the family stays in the family. We don't talk about our feelings. If you have feelings, you are weak. Um, so we never really, uh, got to grow up expressing, I'm upset for this reason, or, um, because you called me fat and ugly, now I believe that I am fat and ugly type of thing, so we, we didn't really get that, um, communication down in my family, um, and I was kind of like the rebel, so even though... Um, we weren't allowed to talk. I still, there was something in me that said, you can't, you cannot keep this in. So I would go to like my youth pastors and, you know, people I would look up to. And of course it would all go back to my parents and then I would be in trouble. I was basically, um, named the rebel or the drama queen of the family. Mm -hmm. And those were, those were words that you know, stuck with me because when they come from your parents, yeah, if they come from your siblings, it's, it's kind of easier to get over. But when it comes from someone who actually gave birth to you and is supposed to be like raising you and um, you helping you become this God fearing adult, it's kind of, it kind of stunts you just a little bit. So during the time that I was getting molested, um, I was never mad at the, the person who did it. Um, I always knew they took on a different persona. They would take on this different personality. So I was like, I didn't see them when they did it to me. So it, was, it wasn't, in my mind, I was thinking this is just a form of love. Um, I knew it was wrong. There was a side of me that was like, I don't, I don't like this kind of love. I don't want this kind of love. But I didn't have anyone to talk to, so I just kind of took it. And um, 
then I found out uh, some things had happened to them as children. And it all started making sense in my mind. All not telling anybody. This is all just going on in my mind. And I'm not telling anybody. I'm not. Um, I refused to tell anybody in my family because, of course, I would not be believed. Um, but it started to make sense, like, the reason why they were taking on this persona or the reason why they would say this or do this. And I never, I was never mad at them. Um, now, I always got forgiveness and forgetfulness confused. Um, there's a thin line for me because if I can forget what you did to me, I would think I forgave you until something comes up where I'm like, oh, it like if someone says something or if you hear something and it, it automatically reminds you of what you went through or what they did to you, then everything comes back up and you're filled with all this anger or sadness. And that's, that's when it would click to me. I didn't really forgive you. Um, I just allowed myself to forget mm -hmm. the situation. And um, so once I finally would saw that line, you know, I was able to truly, I, I was blaming a lot of people in my family for not allowing me to talk. Because <laughs> um, talking really, you know, it helps. It can help a lot of people. And yeah, so I was I was blaming a lot of people and forgetting that my family wouldn't allow me to talk um, was my form of forgiveness until my mom would say something or my dad would say something or my siblings would say something and it would remind me, I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional, um, of what happened. Mm -hmm. But um, as years go on, uh, went on, I had moments where I was strong in Christ and then I had moments where I was like, not feeling as strong as I used to. So I kind of like backed off a little bit, but um, the last two years that I was in Ohio, um, I started hanging out with certain groups and um, getting to know certain people that I knew deep down were not going the path that God had set for me. But because they were, accepting me and because they showed me love because of all of that I was like all for it and at first I was like well I'm not going to say that part of it because it doesn't have anything to do with my what happened to me as a child but it has everything to do with that because the the lack of communication that my family allowed me to have growing up these current friends allowed me to have or the love that I was getting, the wrongful love that I was getting um, in my family, I was getting from this new group of friends. So I had, I went into this deep, dark hole and I was just going further down and further down and, and all of this knowing that I'm, I'm not doing right, these people aren't right for me, I ended up getting raped. Um, now I, I didn't blame them. I, I didn't go around bashing their name. Um, 
the most hurtful part, I, I blame myself for that situation because I told myself I shouldn't have been there. I shouldn't have been doing that. And um, so I really, I started, I started blaming myself. And um, I kind of, my mom got sick and I saw an opportunity to move in with her. And in my mind, I was thinking, I'm going to move in to help her. Um, but in all actuality, I just needed to get away. I couldn't, I could not be in Ohio anymore. So um, and that I have never told anybody. <laughs> um, wow. So yeah, so here I am, I'm alone. I have no one that I'm used to <clears throat> around me. It hurts, but it's also like the most best experience possible because it was almost like God is showing me that this is where I need to be. I, don't, I didn't need people. I didn't need love. I didn't need all of that to forgive. And I was mm -hmm. thinking, I'm never going to get a, a, an apology from these people, so I just have to forgive them. And God showed me, he's like, before you forgive anybody, before you can love anybody, you have to love him, obviously, God, but you have to love and forgive yourself. And that is the hardest thing <laughs> for me. Because, I mean, I blame myself for a lot. I know I shouldn't, but I do. But there, let's, I want to interject. There is never in any case where, and this is not just your story. This is the story of hundreds of people. So you're not alone, first of all. Second of all, there's never in any case where the victim is to blame. Never. The victim is never to blame for the actions of either an ignorant, evil, prideful, or just outright destructive, destructive victimizer. You made a statement that when the abuse and everything was going on, that you thought it was a form of love. That statement alone right there is the sentiment of many people. Because, especially at the age of five, six, those are the most, your most innocent and vulnerable years. And those are the years where you're forming definitions around certain things. And you're forming definitions around what is love, what is this, what is that, what is, uh, uh, what is a mother, what is a father. You're forming concrete definitions that will carry you on for the rest of your life almost. If they aren't, if they aren't pure or correct, they can cause damage. So you're now in a place and in a process, would you say that you're now in a place where you're learning to forgive your abuser or are you, or have you forgiven? Like I said before, I, I have a blurred line between forgiveness and forgetfulness. I feel like if I can forget the actions, it's, I've forgiven them. Mm -hmm. So 
I'm still trying to learn if I have really forgiven or if I'm just, I just continue to push the thoughts out of my mind. Well, like that. when you were telling, when you were telling that earlier, you make the statement that this is, this is how I distinguish between forgiveness and forgetfulness because I, I get the, I understand when you say it's a blurred line. And a lot of people have a blurred line if I forget the event or I've forgiven them but they go around with this festering unforgiveness actually because they think they have forgotten it. Um, forgiveness is giving up the hope that the past could be any different. That's forgiveness. And you, have, would, have, and you would know you have forgiven a person or persons or people when you can, when that person or those people when their name is mentioned or when you're around them, nothing in you changes. Because you're, because forgiveness is taking the emotions that are attached to the moment or the moments or the repetitive moments of abuse or whatever, taking those emotions and uprooting them and, and saying, I'm going to now stand. Forgive, we, we, for, we, often say, we often mix up forgiveness. Forgiveness is not necessarily a feeling. That's that's a that's a that's a sign of it. But forgiveness in itself is a decision. I will no longer live attached to my past. So that's how I can distinguish and how I have distinguished between forgiveness and forgetfulness. Right now, Krista where you are right now in Michigan, what would you say at 25 to your five-year-old self? Honestly, the only thing I would say is it's not your fault. That's the only thing I can think of to say. And I've, mm -hmm. I've been asked that many of times. <laughs> but that's the only thing that popped into my mind because that's the only thing I ever did was blame myself. Have you taken the time or have you ever taken the time to look at who your victimizer was? Not meaning the name and all that, but who they were as a person, their history. Because every person is a history. Before they commit an act, they have a history behind why they committed that act or why they do what they do. So have you taken the time to I'm not saying go back and talk to the person or go back and be best friends with the person. Never saying that. But have you taken the time to learn the history of that person? Mm -mm. I think one of the key things that we repetitively talked about with Maurice and with Destin is that the victim and the victimizer are human. And if you're human and if, and if you... Uh, a human being, you have a history. And understanding the history will not justify, but it will clarify as to how or why they may have acted out or did the things that they, they, they did. And it will bring you, it's, it's for you, not for them, but it's for you right. to bring you to a place of forgiveness. To make forgiveness easier. 
Forgiveness, as I said, is a decision. You make a decision that I'm going to no longer have my emotions and my life held hostage by a moment, but I'm going to move forward. Um, and again, these principles that, that I'm saying, I had, to, I had to bring myself to this place. I had to bring myself to this place dealing with uh, father issues and abandonment. I had to bring myself to this place and realize that before J1 Shakur Jones was born, my dad had a history. And I learned a little bit about the history to better understand the behavior, not to justify it, but to understand it so that I could forgive. Um, what else in your journey or what other words would you like to share? Any comment, any other further comments or questions? Um, I, I, all I have to say is um, even when, and I'm, I'm still learning this now, so mm -hmm. I, this is still a process for me, but even when um, I was going through everything that I went through the past couple of years, um, even when I didn't feel God's presence with me, I never stopped having faith and believing that he was there, that his hand was on me, was protecting me, and he did love me through it all. Um, mm -hmm. So the only thing I would have to say is um, just don't give up on that because there, there will be times where you, and that's, that's the awesomeness about having faith is like even when you're going through everything like if you have the faith and you stand on God um, even if you don't feel him he is there his love is on you and surrounding you and in you and his hand will never be taken away from you wow Krista I I your story is the story of so many people, so many people. Um, and I think one thing you just said is crucial, that the awesomeness of faith is that it's not dependent. This is the essence of what you said. The awesomeness of faith is that it's not dependent on your feelings. And that leads us to, uh, I want to ask a question, another question about you learning to forgive yourself. When learning to forgive yourself, or for anyone that may be watching, what would you say to them, to that person who has, who who may be the victim, but they have put on the blame, they've put, taken on the blame on themselves, and they're carrying not only unforgiveness, but they're carrying the burden and the weight of of being of blaming themselves. What would you say? I, I, it's not really steps because we're all different, but. Yeah. And, all can't follow a, a, a method, a 12-step method and think it's going to work. We're not made out of a cookie cutter, but what would you, what are some principles or some things you say from your experience that you would give or, or, or share with someone to bring them to a place where they can first forgive themselves and then possibly go on to forgive the, vic the victimizer or the abuser or whatever? Um. don't don't expect and I'm sorry <laughs> not everybody knows that they were in the wrong or that they did anything and some people honestly and I have witnessed this in the people that have done 
wrong um, or done something to hurt me. Um, some of them were not even in their right mind. They, it was almost like they weren't there. Um, so don't, don't expect, don't live for their forgiveness. Um, because even if you don't get it, you have to pretend like, pretend like you did get it because we will never, even if they did apologize, it might never even stand up to the apology we are wanting or expecting. And that's something God had to show me. I, whenever I apologize to God for something I did, it mm. is never going to be the apology he deserves. So he takes my apology and says, okay, I love you and I forgive you. And that's it. So if I'm going to be like Christ, I have to take an apology that I might not get or that is not up to the standards that I put for it. And I have to say, okay, I love you and I forgive you. And like I said, even if you don't get it, you in your own mind to help yourself, even if you have to write it down, you have to burn it, like pray constantly, cry about it. You have to release it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa. Um, and one of one of the most cathartic things that I've cathartic means cleansing. One of the most things that help you release something I found in my life is writing. It's not it doesn't have to be anything eloquent, but it writing allows you to in the moment, of course you will feel what you're writing, but it allows you to see it and to and to put what you have written into perspective and into context. And it is one of the most cathartic releases. Um, that I believe everyone should engage in. So from you, I think people can learn this, uh, that we don't live for an apology, but we apologize so that we can live. I think that's, that's, I think that's the summary of what people can gather from you. We don't live for an apology, but we apologize so that we can live. Um, we can go so much, we can go so far and so deep into this story, but I appreciate you coming on, Krista. Um, I appreciate you sharing this sensitive, intimate stuff with myself and those who are, who are listening and watching. Um, and again, and I'm sure you know this, you are not alone. And your story, I'm pretty sure has helped people watching this. I'm pretty sure it has. So thank you, Krista, so much for coming on. I, thank you. I probably enjoyed meeting you. And it was, this has been very enlightening for myself. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I feel honored to be a part. <laughs> That's good. Thank you so much. I'll talk with you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay, guys. This has been, I must say, this has been uh, a very powerful uh, enlightening conversation um i don't want to go over time or talk or hold too long but i think it is crucial that we learn how to forgive i think it is necessary that we learn how to forgive um because it's not really for the victimizer or the abuser it's not really for 
the one who has harmed you or offended you. It's for you. Forgiveness is for you. You Forgiveness is the best and the greatest gift you could ever give yourself. Because it takes a moment in time that has imprisoned you. And it brings you to, it brings you a moment in your past that has imprisoned you. And it brings you to your present so that you can live and exist in your present and be fully there so that you can move uh, speedily but yet productively and efficiently into your future. So I'm, I think this is a great topic and we will revisit this again. TMD will revisit this again. But keep in touch and stay in contact and, and continue to follow the Millennial Discourse. Uh, it's not just a magazine, as we often say, but it is a movement to mobilize, to help, to encourage, and to inspire, and to inspire others. Um, for our next segment, we're going to try to do one of these every month, uh, once a month. For our next uh, edition of Video Correspondence, we'll be soliciting topics from you guys. So there will be a poll, or you can comment on this status, um, but there will be a poll about our next topics. Uh, and you can select what you would like us to discuss and, and, and even potential guests or people you like us to converse with. So thank you all for watching and, and tuning in and sharing and liking and telling people about the Millennial Discourse. Um, I'm excited about what we have in the future. I'm excited about what we have going on here. So thank you guys again. And I really hope this has helped somebody and has helped uh, you and has brought you to a place of freedom, or if not freedom, it has gave you some principles that will help you better engage the process of forgiving. Because you deserve to be free, and you deserve to live your best life and to do so now. And what's holding you back is most likely it may be unforgiveness. So thank you guys again. This is Jay Wan Shakur Jones, the founder of the Millennial Discourse, and I thank you guys for watching, and I'll see you on another video course, correspondence segment next month. Thank you.